This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. Live from New Zealand's Endgame Celebration Parade outside of the University of Auckland's General Library across the street from Mojo Simmons Coffee, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kai. And today on the podcast, our interview with the 2020 Giant Nut winners, Jack Barker and Nick Maybe from Team Endgame. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Behind the Bots. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Before we get to this week's news, let's do a season recap of Snap Decisions and hand out a couple of hex bugs to our listeners. First up, we had a total of 92 people send in their predictions this season, and I want to thank each and every one of you who did. It was so much fun to dig through your predictions, look at the data, and get your thoughts each week. So first, our first hex bug, I would like to award to uh, one of these 92 people at random, If you sent in at least one prediction for the season, you have a chance to win. Um, Chris, Kyle, Lindsay, are you excited? Random winner, right about to uh, to be drawn. I get it. All right. So uh, I signed everybody a unique number, put in all those numbers into random.org. So uh, let's see, drum roll, please. Our winner is... Number 65, number 65, Uh, Robert Holmes. Robert, congratulations. I will uh, reach out to you on Facebook. Next up, I want to award a hex bug to the person who had the highest percentage of correct guesses during the regular season. The average behind the bots fan guessed 65% of the fights correctly this season. However, there were two people who correctly called more than 85% of the fights correctly. Those two were Jared Lacombe and Kevin Sporka. We're awarding the second hex bug to Jared, seeing how he made predictions on four Fight Night cards while Kevin made predictions on just two. So congratulations to you, Jared. And finally, we'll award our final hex bug to the person who was able to predict the giant nut winner, even though their bracket was otherwise completely busted. I was really hoping to award the uh, this last hex bug to somebody who was able to at least predict that Whiplash and Endgame were going to be the final two. Um, we did not have that. Instead, uh, we had two people come forward and predict that Endgame would win. Um, those two are Austin Brady and Brooke Siegel. Um, and because it's impossible to uh, to choose, let's award two hex bugs um, here, one to Austin and one to Brooke. So congratulations to you both. 
I'm glad that we're taking uh, Oprah's hex bug policy. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Look under your podcast player. You're going to find a hex bug. So, so yeah. Thanks again to everyone who participated in Snap Decisions this this uh, this season. We're really looking forward to uh, to getting your predictions again next season. So stay tuned. Hey, Luke. How did we do? <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay, is this is this going to fracture our friendship if we uh, if we reveal how the four of us did compared to the listeners? I'm not very competitive, so I'm I'm happy with however the chips fall. <laughs> um, I'm okay. I'm very competitive, and I want all the chips. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the the four of us called um, called matches out of all 71 fights that were televised. I'm looking at the data right now. So starting from least to most. Uh, Kyle got 62% of his matches correctly predicted. So Kyle, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Chris, 65%. So you are very much average compared to the rest of uh, the Behind the Bots listeners. That's why they all love me so much. <laughs> Lindsay, you called 69% of fights correctly. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, and I, I managed to call 77.46% of fights correctly. So, you know, take that, take that, uh, you know, as, as you will. Despite uh, scouring the, uh, the, the dark web for all of the spoilers, Luke. Yeah, I, I, I have, um, I have, I have like back channels. I, I text all of the, uh, the builders frantically every week and I beg them to tell me the outcome of these fights. So that's how I was able to, uh, to predict 77% correctly. I do want to say that there, there were a couple of listeners who also predicted every single fight along with us. So like Cameron Hutton, for example, also predicted all 71 fights. And he came in at 74% correct. So Cameron is like doing really, really well. And yeah, like Alexander Archer also called all 71 fights, um, 64% there. Um so yeah, I mean, we we had a couple of diehard listeners who um, really stuck with us through the entire season. Time for this week's combat robotics news. I have four news items for you today. First up, BattleBots Bounty Hunters is making its cable TV debut this Thursday on the Discovery Channel with legendary Flipperbot Bronco. Check your local listings to confirm. But for me, the new show will run in the exact same time slot as the main show. Here on this podcast, we'll begin covering BattleBots Bounty Hunters starting next week. Next up, BattleBots This Week released the first of eight basement fights they taped this season, starting with P1 versus Kronos. Basement fights are typically less exciting matchups, which were left on the cutting room floor for one reason or another. One of the new things I noticed in the P1 versus Kronos basement fight, they included the live commentary from Chris Rose and Kenny Florian, which is a new thing this season. All eight basement fights will eventually get posted to YouTube. However, if you'd like to see them early, sign up to become a BattleBots supporter on Facebook. On over to Norwalk, Connecticut, where uh, if you need more combat robotics in your life and really want to watch Kyle and I talk for another 13 hours straight, join us Saturday on the Norwalk Havoc live stream, which will be on YouTube and Kyle, what, what is it, Twitch? Is it just YouTube? YouTube and it's Twitch? It's just YouTube. They have not uh, gotten into TriCasting on Twitch yet, although I think that's probably coming this year. Cool. All right. Catch us on YouTube. This is going to be an absolutely stacked field this Saturday. There are going to be 70 Beetleweights, 
seven 12 pound full combat robots and nine 30 pound full combat robots, um, including lots and lots of BattleBots builders from the East Coast. You're gonna be traveling up to Norwalk, Connecticut to fight. Um, fights start, I think, at 10 a.m. Eastern, Kyle, or I think that's that's what the plan is. So uh, the stream starts. The stream should be starting at 10. The fights probably will not start until about 10:30 or 11. Perfect. Well, catch us at 10 and uh, settle in because it's uh, it's going to be a, a super super long day, but a really fun day. I'm I'm really looking forward to this Saturday and hanging out with you, Kyle, for the better part of uh, of the weekend. You know. Yeah, the we're going to be spending more time together than we did last time we spent more time together ever in our history as friends. Yes. <laughs> and finally, Jackpot Captain Jeff Waters tallied up his receipts from his 2020 builds, which came to a little under $7,100 total for one and three quarters jackpots. Major expenses included metal, motors, speed controllers, hardware, and batteries, which collectively made up nearly 83% of the total budget. However, fans zeroed in on one particularly delightful line item, glitter and paint, which took up $157, or roughly 2.2% of the bot's total budget. I wonder how much of the weight of the bot was, was glitter and paint. Maybe 2.2 pounds, Kyle. You know that... I mean, it probably is in the three-pound range, just as a person who's bought a lot of glue and glitter before. Yeah, I think it's probably in the two, three-pound range. All right, let's switch gears and get into our recap of the 2020 BattleBots Championship. This was a championship that was incredibly difficult to call from the outset. Most of our fans predicted that Hydra would earn a spot in the finale and face one of the high kinetic energy bots on the other side of the bracket, like Copperhead, Sawblaze, Bloodsport, or Witch Doctor. Instead, Jake Ewart's undefeated run ended at the feet of Matt Vasquez, who outdrove Hydra. The other side of the bracket was punctuated by Tantrum Captain Aaron Hill, who entered the top 32 as the number 18 seed, but outdrove higher-seeded bots Fusion, Bloodsport, and Sawblaze to face eventual giant nut winner Endgame in a match that went 2 minutes and 56 seconds and paved the way for BattleBots to crown its first international winner of the giant nut. So let's get into the championship fights, starting with Ribot versus Black Dragon. Super entertaining fight to kick us off uh, with Black Dragon catching fire 56 seconds into this match and then spending the next two minutes and four seconds completely engulfed in flames, which really shows the durability of this robot. Later, they showed how Black Dragon's internals are separated, so one section can catch fire without losing the entire robot. Black Dragon earned a unanimous decision and advanced your thoughts on this super fiery match. I really loved how the Black Dragon boys at the end of the match were talking about how they love fire. Fire is their friend. Really well-driven match by them. They came into their own like right at the last minute. <laughs> and that was really cool. I enjoyed this fight a lot. Um, Black Dragon is not who I wanted to win, but I'm really glad that they did. Kyle, has there ever been a battle bot that has gone two minutes plus in the battle box completely engulfed in flames and survived i feel like i've never seen that before on tv yeah that's a good question um there's definitely been some bots that have been on fire for a large portion of their match tombstone's one that i can think about but eventually they succumb they succumb to the flames and that was just not the case this time around it's pretty amazing how they were able to segment their robot in this way because doing that takes up weight you know like building these little kind of 
boxes inside of your your chassis um i i, I think is really smart and shows kind of a, a good defensive strategy um we've seen examples of other robots that have caught fire this this season like fusion where if one part of the, the bot catches fire, you're going to lose the entire robot, which is which is pretty tough. Um, but it's cool to see, you know, the inside looks maybe a little bit like Duck, you know, kind of Hal Rucker esque, and and that they were able to survive this this inferno. Yeah, that was pretty neat. It kind of made me think of the Titanic, only you know, uh, this bot didn't sink; it, it kept working. <laughs> All right, on over to Shatter versus. Hold on, Enemy. hold on. I have, I actually, I do have a gripe. Okay, a gripe. As everyone is uh, well aware, I'm sure, uh, the weapon of choice of an adult black dragon is is acid breath. It's not fire breath. Is it? Uh, yeah. Fire breath, uh, of course, as we all know, would be the main weapon of an adult red dragon. <laughs> I, I wasn't aware of this, Chris. Where where is this is this what D D Lord? What 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 is this? Magic the Gathering? I think that those would both apply. Yes. Mm, okay. Good. So you're suggesting that uh, that the kids from Brazil bring back an acid shooter uh, next season. Is that right? Or they just uh, they you know they appropriately name their bot you know uh, uh, Red Dragon, and then we're fine. All right. Honor to Shatter versus Endgame. In this match, we saw Endgame run with the team later called one of the ugliest versions of the robot they've ever run in the battle box with four long, thin forks sticking out the front. One of the big things that stuck out for me in this match was that this fork configuration would have been impossible to run in 2019 due to the condition of the battle box floor that year. However, but the new and improved floor this season allowed for ground shaving forks like these, which were crucial in Endgame's ability to get under Shatter and shove it into any corner of the box that it wanted. For the second and final time this season, Shatter lost its hammerhead and was forced to whack at their opponent with their hammer arm. Endgame earned the knockout in 1 minute and 57 seconds. Your thoughts on ground shaving forks, loose hammerheads, or this fight in general? I really like the forks. I thought they were super effective. It was it was unfortunate to see Shatter give up their reach in this fight and have that not work out. Because I feel like reach really had a lot to say in this final. And, you know, in this particular case, Endgame added reach and Shatter took some away and it did not work out well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think... Probably a larger factor was that Shatter lost its hammerhead again. Um, and I was I was looking at that design and I was thinking to myself, like, A, how's the hammerhead coming off? Like, is it being sheared off? It looks like it's held in place with some pretty large bolts. And B, is there a different way that Shatter could do their hammerhead? Like, maybe a unibody hammerhead and arm in one? Uh, thoughts thoughts on the hammer? I think the, the risk that you run of of uh, like actually having a solid, uh, you know, hammerhead and, and, you know, the, the arm is that you risk, you know, taking a shot to the hammerhead will, will translate all the way down to your, uh, to your motors and gear system that power the weapon. I see. Um, but I guess during the finale, like, or, or at least, you know, in the finals, like, I think that might be a risk that you have to take. Um, because if you end up taking a big hit and you lose your hammerhead, chances are you're at great risk of being eliminated, you know, single elimination style. So 
I would say like to get through the season, maybe like like a, like a, exactly the way that they have the configuration set up now. But when you start getting into you know the finals and deeper and deeper into the finals, you should look at you know how can I uh, how could I produce a weapon that has more longevity? Well said, Chris. On over to Tantrum versus Sablaze, our first big upset of the night, and our first indication that the 2020 championship still had a couple surprises in store for the fans. Tantrum captain Aaron Hill dominated this match, consistently getting under Sablaze and picking his moments to strike with their punching spinner, which ran for nearly the entire three minutes. For much of the match, Sablaze saw its arm stuck in the upright position, which made the bot wheelie more than expected. Toward the end, the arm came down and was stuck in the forward position, giving Sables a bit more control, but not enough to sway the judges who awarded a unanimous decision to Tantrum. Your thoughts on this match? I feel like it became pretty clear pretty quickly that Tantrum was going to have the upper hand in that match. Uh, and it and it just it made Sables look a little silly. Like Sables just couldn't get any handle on the match. And it, I think, exposed you know, maybe a weakness in the bot, especially when um, Tantrum was able to push Sawblaze up against the wall when it had its uh, weapon back, which pushed the weapon full speed into the wall. And I think uh, I saw in one of Jameson's build reports that that caused more problems for the bot for the rest of the match. But, like, you could not deny how great Tantrum did and, and that they, like, they earned that win. And that was, it was just so impressive. It's interesting. I mean, this this season, Tantrum, the robot's been become synonymous with driving. I, I think I think it's it's really true that it doesn't really, you know, your driving skill is more important than what your robot looks like or what it does or how powerful it is or even how big it is. You know, in this case, we saw Aaron really kind of just showing off this dominant driving style. Um, I'm really, really liking it. I, I hope to see more of this and and really seeing Aaron kind of take take his spot um, among the really great drivers in, in this sport. Because, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, like Tantrum two seasons ago was, was kind of a gimmick bot, you know? Like we thought about, you know, it's big fight with, with Tombstone. There were questions about whether, you know, the bot would be invited back. And now two seasons later, like you're seeing it in the championship, which is really, really so, so thrilling and very cool. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing Tantrum's performance next season. I'm also really looking forward to seeing what Jameson Go does in, uh, you know, in uh, now that he has uh, a few games with 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 bots similar to to Tantrum um, who play the low ground game, who are muscly because, you know, like much to your point that you made in a previous episode, Luke. Jameson go every single time that he is put at risk or loses learns exactly what he needs to do for the following season. So I'm really curious to see what comes, you know, out of the, out of the brain of Jameson go in, uh, in the next season. Yeah. Like, like I think Kyle said, you can beat Jameson go once, but twice is probably out of the question. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think that this will, help Sawblaze come back next year, you know, better than ever. And after such a great season, that's really exciting to me. Yeah, it really I was. Do, uh, I do think that it's going to be, a, uh, you know, a serious contender next year because it was a serious contender this year. Towards the end of the fight, Tantrum punched Sawblaze right in the butt. 
<laughs> and it made me laugh really hard. And I just wanted to share that that, that brought me a lot of joy. <laughs> a Cinderella season. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Honor to Hydra versus Whiplash, the other bracket breaker of the night, and one that ended in a split judge's decision. Earlier, we learned that Hydra had been damaged in their fight against Gigabyte and that some aluminum chips got mixed into the bot's hydraulic fluid. That was a factor in this fight, with Hydra landing just five little baby flips on Whiplash, but no major light-breaking kind of 10-foot, 16-foot hits, right? Meanwhile, we saw aggressive driving from Matt Vasquez, uh, who this week, by the for, for the record, clarified that he prefers to be called Matt and not Matty, uh, and that Chris Rose apparently just came up with Matty on his own. So, uh, you know, we are torturing him every single time that we call him Matty Vasquez. It's uh, it's Matt. Um, <laughs> um, in the end, it came down to a six-five point split across all three judges, with Jason Bardis and Derek Young giving the victory to Whiplash which advances your thoughts on this fight. I felt really bad for Jake and the Hydra team that their flipper wasn't fully functioning. Mm. Um, I felt bad for the fans that their flipper wasn't fully functioning. I feel like it would have been a much more entertaining fight if it were, but that said, I don't think that flipper fully functioning would have changed the course of this fight at all. Matt just outdrove him and uh, really executed his strategy to perfection. It was great. I think there is one flip maybe that Hydra would have been able to get uh, Whiplash out of the box. There is like one towards the beginning where it looked like um, they, he almost had them out. So I don't, I don't know. It's really hard to tell. But like that was the only moment where I was like, oh, could, could he do it? Um, but, you know, I think... I think despite the split decision, like, I, I don't think it was, um, I, it was close. I will definitely give it that. But I, I do think that Whiplash, to me, seemed like the, the clear winner. But whatever, people are probably, probably going to think I'm biased. But, like, I, I, at the end of the day, I like Hydra and I like Jake. I really do. Um, but I this, to me, Whiplash just had the full... Uh, control of the match really from start to finish which when you consider that Hydra didn't really do that much damage I think it, it put them in the clear for the win I'm really looking forward to um, next season uh, Jonathan Schultz new addition to to huge uh, to just release aluminum shavings uh, <laughs> specifically directed at Hydra it's gonna be wonderful <laughs> There's a big bag of aluminum shavings. <laughs> just sits on top of huge and just shakes out as the match progresses. <laughs> like glitter. Oh no, what happened? <laughs> All right. On over to Tantrum versus Endgame, the end of Tantrum Cinderella season. In this match, Aaron Hill again managed to get under his opponent, but ended up losing a couple wedgelets, his punching spinner, and then got popped on his head and couldn't self-right. But this was a punishing fight that really showed off Tantrum's durability with Aaron Hill going two minutes and 56 seconds before being counted out. Your thoughts here. Tantrum doesn't die. And that makes me smile. Um, mm. This was a clear, clear winner, but uh, man, this was a great end to a really unlikely season for Tantrum just dominating and winning as much as it did. It was great. 
Do you remember how beat up Tantrum was after I think it was the Bloodsport match? And I said on here that like, you know, they won, but at what cost? Like, because I didn't think that they were going to be able to rebuild in time to be competitive again. But they proved me so wrong. And, you know, they just, they really held their own the whole time. And that, just like not enough can be said about like that level of reliability from match to match. That should be applauded. Yeah, absolutely. A real Cinderella season. All right, on over to Whiplash versus Black Dragon. Clear winner here with dominant driving from Matt Vasquez throughout. At one point, Matt pushed Black Dragon up onto its back against the glass right under the Black Dragon team, but helped the bot down and fed it straight into Whiplash's weapon. Fantastic driving with Matt earning a unanimous judge's decision. Your thoughts on this fight? It is interesting to me that Brazilian teams seem to really love the Vasquez family. Hmm. We saw that last year when they fought Minotaur. Um, and it is also interesting to me that as of yet, Brazilian teams cannot beat the Vasquez family. Very strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe that's why they love love Matt so much, because uh, he's a goal, I guess, to uh, to complete. That actually makes a lot of sense. They, they like him because they're like, yeah, what a great American kid. We like them. We like him a lot. I wish we could beat him. <laughs> So we like him a lot. Great family. Yeah, I mean, this this was our, our last match, um, seeing Black Dragon this season. Really, really good season, you know, especially because there were some changes to the team, changes to the drivers, obviously, changes to the robot. Um, they, they came with more configurations this season. They came with more weapons. And to, to make it to the top eight and to make it to the top four is, is really, really fantastic. So kudos to a, to a good season uh, from, from that team. And finally, the 2020 Championship Endgame versus Whiplash. This match came down to patience as Endgame spun up fully in the center of the box and allowed Whiplash to circle the robot, looking for an opportunity to strike. It felt like perhaps Matt Vasquez was hoping that Endgame's new forks might catch a seam in the floor and allow him to get to the side of the robot. However, that didn't happen. Instead, Endgame picked its moment and landed a big hit popping Whiplash out of the arena with a decisive knockout in under two minutes. I I love that the last match of the season was so decisive um, that there was no controversy. Um, I think it would have, <laughs> it would have killed me if, uh, if it was really close match and it, it came down to a split judges decision for the, the giant nuts, just listening to, uh, <laughs> to the fans complain for, for the next two months would have just been terrible. But I love that this was a knockout and it was an out-of-the-arena knockout, which is just so, so great. Your thoughts on the championship fight? I think that this is one of the most exciting championship fights that we've seen. Mm. These teams both did a great job. Um, man, and it's weird to say, it's weird to see Matt get outdriven. Hmm. Right? It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's just it, something doesn't feel right about it. That said, man, Endgame deserves every bit of this win. They did a fantastic job in this fight uh, this whole season. You know, I mean, these teams both really deserve to get here. I think I think that there were some interesting choices that um, Matt made during this fight that didn't necessarily benefit them. Okay. And I think that that was pretty... 
I think that he wasn't, this is just me speculating, right? He made some choices in even the fight before this where he was like, yeah, I went in to give him another hit after they were pretty much disabled so I could keep the fight going. And it's like, you don't do that in the championship. Um, there were some choices that were made with this where he, you know, tried to make a move around to the side where he probably should have just stayed straight on. And, you know, it was it was interesting to see that because all the interviews before the fight were, were with Matt being like, everything's cool. I'm cool. We're feeling great. We're feeling calm. It's like, yeah. Maybe you were a little too calm. You know, I, I I was trying to think after this match if there was really anything that Whiplash could have done differently. So you're you're suggesting that they should have gone head on, weapon to weapon, like really kind of trusted their their huge plow. Is that right, Kyle? Yeah, I think that they they probably could have won the ground clearance game a little bit better if they tried to do that instead of trying to be fancy, trying to outdrive them. And I think that that would have bode better for them, especially if they could get Endgame over and actually get them to land on that weapon. Um, they might have been able to get a little bit more damage. That said, who knows? They could have lost anyway. But yeah, some some interesting choices were made at the beginning of this fight. Yeah, I, I think it's tough when when you when you're facing off against Endgame and its weapon is fully spun up, and you're just looking for an opening, and you know that if you make contact, something catastrophic could very well happen. For sure. I, I guess, I guess it's, I don't know. It's, it's better than it's, it's better than kind of waiting for a mistake. That's not going to come, you know, because Endgame didn't make a mistake in this match. And it really felt like they drove differently in this match and had, had a plan for whiplash um, going, going in. Yeah, I, I totally agree. This is, you know, watching watching this this match was like watching Matty Vasquez and Whiplash work hard, and watching End Endgame work smart. Um, you know, they kept they kept the movements to the minimum. They knew that their new forks were going to do the job they needed to do, and you know, in order for those forks to work the way that they did, it's it's not about a ground game. It's about it's about squaring up and making each of your hits, uh, you know, count. Uh, the most that they possibly can. Right. Any 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 last thoughts on uh, on the championship fight? I, I know that uh, we've now talked about it for longer than the fight's actually gone. Or do you want to transition over to thoughts about the 2020 season in general? I got one more thing to say about this fight. The reason, the real impetus, like the reason that I think that some interesting choices were made is there's a moment right at the beginning, like first 10 seconds where Endgame is just slowly making their way across the box. They're keeping their front facing towards them. Matt is just driving in a figure eight pattern, trying to get an angle and being, being fancy, being cute. And Endgame gets their very long fork stuck in the kill saw slot. Hmm for just a second. And normally you would think like normally you would expect whiplash to be right there in your face, taking full advantage of that moment. And instead they were 15 feet away. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean like it's the championship, there's nerves, there's things, there's stuff, but yeah, it's interesting. Like for me that, that, 
that moment with the kill saw slots, which by the way, kill saw slots more dangerous than kill saws. <laughs> Uh, could have changed the whole match, you know, if uh, if what we're normally used to seeing with Whiplash was was evident right at that moment. Mm, yeah, well said, Kyle. You know, kind of transitioning over into to general thoughts on the entire season. Um, one one of the big memes from the last week or the last I don't know five days since Thursday has been, um, you know, everybody getting out of their armchairs, all of the armchair builders and uh, making suggestions for, uh, for improvements to battle bots. Um, you know, given, given all of that, do we have thoughts, the, the four of us on improvements that battle bots could make, um, is this peak battle bots? When are they going to replace this floor? <laughs> uh, what, what they need to do is between every match, just bring in a whole new floor. <laughs> and put it on top of the old floor and by the end of it the kill saws will be coming up but you won't see them because there will be too much floor on top of the kill saws I, I i really do i honestly think that it's time to retire the kill saws what are they adding to the match does anyone fear them does anyone really fear the kill saw or do they just fear the holes in the floor that are there for the entire match. Kill saw slots more dangerous than kill saws. I um, they are not a weapon that you can that you can use to your like the screws are something you can as a control bot shove your opponent into and score some points. Right, right. The hammers are death. I mean, especially this season. Jeez, how many teams? use those hammers to their advantage this season. Mm -hmm. um, the hammers are definitely something you can use to your advantage and score some points. The kill saws are so random. It's just not a thing. The The Hellraisers are, which is like the spikes that come up. I guess they don't call them that anymore because BattleBots is peachy now. Um, but the, what are they doing? You know what I mean? Like the random obstacles in the arena that, that you can't really control driving your bot into, I don't find those to be very useful. I don't think that they're uh, particularly additive to the game, for sure. I also <laughs> don't really recall a time when the kill saws were a factor in a match at all. They'll pop a bot up and get you the cool sparks underneath. But like beyond that, have they had any bearing on anything? No, and like you're not going to count kill saw damage as like something your opponent did it's just random stuff like right. random sparks right i think i think it's designed to make for more exciting tv you know like imagine the kill saw's gone imagine the hellraiser's gone imagine you know that there is no out of the arena um like it's just a flat floor you know i don't know like it it's an then then you add zoom in slow-mo with crazy slow-mo reaction takes at strange sound effects and whales going into people's mouth. We've seen this before, Luke. We know what works. <laughs> touché, touché. Um, all right, so so as as Greg and Trey go back to the, the drawing board and they, they start planning for 2021, um, which, which we hope that the next season will come, any thoughts on improvements that we can make um, based based on this past season? Robert Cowan made that really interesting case for uh, judging protocol. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that video. Um, um, tell me, tell me more about that. 
so I had to watch this video because um, there were a bunch of memes being made about it. Um, Robert brought up some very interesting points. Robert is from the Copperhead team. Um, he makes fantastic YouTube videos. He basically documented the entire build process um, as well as like the improvements process. He does, you know, how to build a robot video. He's great. Robert's awesome. Um, he did a video about the judges and their protocol, not even necessarily the criteria for judging. He, he actually largely agrees with that, but he feels like the judges should be required to get out and examine damage um, after every match and that the bots at the end of the match should be required to show functionality before the judges make their decision. Hmm. He said those are like two things you could add in that will not take too much time that would make the judging more consistent. So before I have an opportunity to touch my robot, I try to drive it back to my square, like kind of show a functional test. Is that right? Which is current. Like currently people do that, right? Like currently people will be like, yes, even though I'm, you know, friction walking, quoting Ray Billings there, um, I got back to my square. Hmm. Okay. And, you know, so bots will do that and hope that it influences the judges. But I think what Robert is saying is that that needs to be part of the criteria. Like, drive back to your square, fire off your weapon. Mm, okay. okay. Right at the end of the match. Show that everything's working or what's not working. And that goes into the judges' criteria. Interesting. Hmm. Um, and then the damage assessment, part of that was... Because in their fight with Mammoth, he said that, you know, their weapon stopped working and they attributed that to damage that Mammoth did. And instead, what it was was a fault in their speed controllers, which, according to BattleBots rules, should not be counted as damage uh, for the other team, like damage points for the other team. And had they been in the box to inspect the bots after the fight, they would have clearly seen that there was no damage done to Copperhead um, that would have resulted in the loss of a speed controller. I get, I get the argument. I think my my challenge is that already um, people people criticize the judging. Can you imagine if? Uh, it came down to a split judge's decision and it was because they went into the battle box with their little clipboards and they were kind of inspecting the robots and trying to make assessments, you know, posthumously um, versus based on what happened for three minutes inside of the box, especially if, if the fans disagreed with them, you know, like it just, gets really esoteric like at that point you know they have gone into the box in the past like they're allowed to do that for any fight that they want to do that yeah um and i do not recall any controversy after fights where they chose to do that i think they're under a lot of pressure not to do that just because of you know production time um you know they want to move these fights through move these matches through but I don't recall any situation where they went into the match to observe and or went into the arena to observe and, um, you know, came out and made their decision afterwards. That That's it's pretty hard to argue with that. Hmm. Yeah. Other other thoughts on on the season kind of changes going forward. 
I really like the opera boxes. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Do you like the opera boxes better than the live audience? Um, if I can be controversial, as a fan, I would say yes, because I think it's fun watching teams watch the fights. But I think for show quality and just like experience of the builder standpoint, I think it's important to have the audience there. Um, so even me as a fan, it's more fun for me to see the builders watch. I think as like a fan of the show and the builders themselves, you know, I, I want the audience to come back. But yeah. I think like maybe interspersing some opera boxes alongside the fans could could be a cool. Yes. Yeah, I'll second a hybrid model. I mean, then you're not putting the entire onus of, you know, adding adding the drama element to the entire show on builders who like sometimes you see it, they're out there, they're in the opera boxes. And if you look at some of the boxes in the back, there are people who are really phoning in the energy because <laughs> they are so tired. And like, they've just been going sleepless nights and like have been staring at robot guts. And like, sometimes they're clapping and they're cheering and then like, they're looking amongst each other, like who's who's fighting right now? <laughs> and I feel, <laughs> if anyone notices, I think they use the same clip of Bunny like, just, like, losing her mind. They've used it, like, five times an episode for the last several episodes. I think you're 100% right. Also, I will say that the standard fans are much more rhythmically in line when they chant fight, fight, fight than the bot builders. <laughs> they just, those poor bot builders have no rhythm. And, um, <laughs> you know, that needs some help. So, yes, hybrid model. I agree, Lindsay. I, I, I had my doubts about the opera boxes when they first announced them, um, but they turned out to be pretty exciting to watch. I, I liked it a lot. Um, any any thoughts on which team was the most hyped? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know for me when when you think about the opera boxes, or at least when when I do, uh, I think a lot about uh, deadlift. You know, like uh, I feel like like we got a lot of shots of deadlift. Um, in in this in this final final kind of episode of the season, um, I don't know if you caught it. This was like one microsecond, but uh, Will Bales was like uh, pulling up his shirt inside of the opera box. He was so hyped. So like that was. Uh, <laughs> did you did you guys see that, or, or am I am I like completely imagining this? No, no that was a thing. <laughs> you know, like with the hypershock neon sign out. Um, I thought that was that was pretty cool. Um, I really liked all, all of the shots of Scorpios. I thought that was that was really cool. Obviously, shots of Bunny. Um, hmm, it's interesting I'm trying to think. because I think it, it actually gives the builders an extra opportunity to brand themselves. Yeah, kind of create more of a narrative about them and the team, which I think is always always a good thing for the builders and the show. I want to see some teams booing other teams. <laughs> hey, your 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 bot just like disassembled my bot i'm gonna get out there and i'm gonna boo <laughs> yes no let's add one step beyond that chris let's just get you know some teams running into the operator area with a steel chair right like that's the next <laughs> obvious evolution by god a towel rocker with the steel chair <laughs> also special special shout out to to Buckethead man you know on on team aegis you know uh, I really feel like Buckethead has like uh, taken over for for Horsehead guy. So wow, Luke, you know that's that's his real head, and that's where. <laughs> that is so insensitive, Luke. That is that is appalled. so insensitive, Luke. <sighs> I expected better from you. 
The man and... has a bucket for a head, okay? <laughs> and that's it for this week's news and 2020 championship recap. After the break, our interview with Nick Maybe and Jack Barker from Team Endgame. This week on the podcast, we have two very special returning guests all the way from New Zealand for their second time this season, 2020 BattleBots champions Jack Barker and Nick Maybe from Endgame. Nick and Jack joined us on the show back in early December after their first victory of the season where they popped Tombstone out of the arena. They ended the season like it began, popping Whiplash out of the BattleBots, becoming the first international winners of BattleBots. Endgame season performance was incredible, winning seven out of eight matches, earning knockouts in six of those seven wins, with an average winning match time of just 96 seconds each. We're really looking forward to getting your thoughts on the 2020 season as a whole and learning how to get a 28-pound BattleBots trophy through the New Zealand Customs Service. So welcome back to the show, Nick and Jack. Hey, good to be back. Hey. <laughs> yeah, thanks <laughs> for so having us. Nick. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad that you are back. Um, all right, so so quick question: Is uh, one of you staring at the giant nut right now? Like, is that uh, is that in your possession? Uh, it's on my desk at work. Uh, I've is moved it into really? a meeting room, so I can't actually see it from here. <laughs> but it, it's close. It's really close. <laughs> that's that's amazing. It's it's massive though, right? Like how how much desk space is it really taking up? Um, I mean, I have very little disk space to begin with. It's full of robot parts. Um, so it's it's taking up sort of half of, of one of my shelves, basically. Yeah, if I, you ever get a chance to see Nick's work, it's like 90% endgame and then 10% work. Um, I, <laughs> so we have we have like designated like labs for, for like building stuff, uh, for building the equipment and, and things. Um, so I try to keep all my all my actual work there, and I just have my desk is just for robots. <laughs> and and apparently, you know, giant nuts, which is great. You know, um, yeah. I I I've always wanted to like actually physically touch the giant nut, like you know, hoist it over my head or something. Um, but I've I've read before that it's incredibly heavy and like it's kind of difficult to to maneuver. Like, uh, you know, do you do you ever kind of pick it up during the the day kind of manipulate it or put it put I mean, it above your head <laughs> you know so i mean we so on the way back um from america we had to quarantine for 14 days uh in in, a, in an isolation hotel uh and i had a giant nut with me in my room uh and and yeah i would just every every now and then just pick it up and hold it while while watching tv or watching a tv show or something like that <laughs> Had a solid two weeks of polishing from Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, they left the cutting; it was still got cutting fluid in the in the threads. Really, I had to I had to clean it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, first off, I want to congratulate both of you on a really fantastic season. Um, really, from all of us and from all of the fans. Um, I, I want to look back on like your your eight fights. You know, your eight competitors from twenty twenty. Tombstone, Bloodsport, Hypershock, Perfect Phoenix, Rotator, Shatter, Tantrum, and Whiplash. Um, I, I'd love to understand from your perspective, kind of like what the season looked like from the inside, from start to finish. What does it take to win the Giant Nut in 2020? Well, I, I might be slightly biased, but I think season five is probably the best season of Battle Pots yeah. that, that we've done so far. 
even even besides our fights, I think that that just the the quality of robots and the quality of the fights we got was just like next level, really. This is a perfect segue into our first listener question from Heather Stringfellow, who asks, looking back at the season, are there any fights you would like a chance to do over, assuming it means you still win the giant nut, of course? <laughs> uh, there's a couple, I guess. Um, we'd love to have a beaten blood spot along the way. Um, yeah, so. it probably would have been nice to meet them in the round of 32. I would, I, I think I would have enjoyed that. Hmm. But the tantrum, though, tantrum was a beast. Yeah, we, we took the wrong strategy going to tantrum. Um, so if we could do that again, we'd have a different configuration. Um, we didn't know they had magnets until we were lining up with them before we go into the box. So we were running the wrong forks, which made it really, really hard to get underneath them. Yeah. So knowing that, I think we would have had a bit, better shot, you know. Or, I mean, we, we did win the fight, but it was a struggle to get underneath them. Um, so if we could yeah. do that one again with the right forks, I think it would be fun. Yeah. I think we also would have um, repeated our strategy that we used against Whiplash of toning down the weapon just a, just a little bit to actually stop the gyro as much. You can see, like, every time we gyroed, he was there and ready to get under us. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, is that is that a learning going forward? You know, are you thinking that you're going to spin it all the way up um, at the start of season six or could you, could you maybe run the, the weapon slower um, at the start of, of the next season? I think as, as often as we can, we're going to be spinning it as fast as we can because that's just fun. Like, that's how we want to play BattleBots. That's it suckers that's, for big hits, so yeah, uh, that's yeah, what we want to exactly. see. I mean, we're, we're, here, we're here for destruction. That's uh, my main draw with robots, so... Um, but I think, you know, for really important fights, like obviously the finals, I think we need, like, we've, we've got to be a bit strategic at least. Um, in the Whiplash fight, we, we obviously had it toned down so we could turn and face them because Whiplash are not a robot you want to let, like, get under you. Uh, mm. But when we actually, when we had him up on the ropes and stuff, like when, when we push it up against the screws or up against the wall, that's when I actually would turn the weapon up to full speed. So... Uh, we still want to try get those hits definitely all the time. Yeah. Um, we have a slightly different question from a listener named Dane Ironfoot, who asks, aside from your championship fight, what was your favorite fight from the top eight? It could be one of yours or one of the other fights. <laughs> Black Dragon uh, versus um, Ribbit, for sure, for me mm. anyway. Um, no, I've, we were... I've said that exact thing to multiple people as well. That was... <laughs> Watching Black Dragon drive around for over two minutes, just completely aflame and not giving two shits. Like, it was amazing. I, I, I was curious, you know, how many other robots in the field could go two minutes on fire and survive? Like, maybe Duck? Um, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, are, are, I think are there other robots? Duck, Duck definitely could. Yeah. But there's very few. We've sort of tried a little bit. I think if, because there were three things that happened to us in the Bloodsport fight. If it was only the fire, um, then I think we would have sort of done a little bit of that, just driving around on fire. Um, but unfortunately, we got a fire, the weapon broke, and we lost a wheel. So it was three things that that, that uh, just added up to us not being able to move. Mm. It's actually a really good thing, though. Um, I'm, I'm really glad we had that fight 
with Bloodsport because those were like three problems with our robot that only like only cost us one win to find them all. Yeah. And we were able to like solve all those problems. And I don't I, I don't think we, we would have gone through to win the giant nut if if we hadn't had that fight. That's really interesting. Yeah. So take us back uh you know to the final match of the season against Whiplash. You you come off of like the full season and you've you've competed against this landscape of incredibly different like difficult bots to overcome. And here you are in the last moments, you pop whiplash out of the arena. You realize that you've just won the giant nut. What are you thinking? What are you feeling in the moment? And what does it feel like to win battle bots? Well, actually with the, what I was thinking right then was wait a minute, guys, he's whiplash. He might be able to get back in and stop grabbing me. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, he, he appeared to be not moving after a couple seconds, so I just sort of gave in and started celebrating with the rest of the team. Yeah, I, I, I think I didn't breathe for the entire match, so like, as I think as Nick's starting to get interviewed, I'm like behind him, like out of breath, like like curled over, <laughs> like trying to catch up. So, <laughs> I don't know, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I, I had to I had to like take a second to catch my breath before that interview as well. Just, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. Like, you jump and scream you don't know what's going on <laughs> people are grabbing you i was sort of just just pulled along by the rest of the team didn't have the ability to stand on my own <laughs> yeah i'm really glad they didn't manage to climb back in <laughs> did you did you stamp your microphone jack yes i stomp oh no that was after tombstone my microphone fell oh, and I stomped all over it yeah <laughs> <laughs> production must have been ecstatic Actually, Shane, the guy with the big fuzzy hair on our team, uh, when we won, he punched the glass so hard he broke his hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, then, oh my god. And goodness. then he, he couldn't tell anyone how he broke his hand. Because. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought you were about to say he broke the glass, in which case maybe you should submit him as your bot for next season. No. <laughs> no. 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 That, that would be truly impressive. Yeah. His knuckles still aren't in the right spot. Oh my goodness. He, he's the one he's the one who turns off the robot uh after after the fights as well so he was like he only noticed when he was trying to turn off the robot i'm like i can't i can't turn this key properly <laughs> <laughs> well i mean so you 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 all have something to take home from the season uh some hold on to the giant nut some hold on to uh early onset arthritis <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he'll never forget that <laughs> Yeah, every, every time he tries to pick something up and it hurts, uh, he'll know. <laughs> he'll think about he'll think about winning battle bots. That's just the sweet sting of victory. Exactly, it's a good pain. I have a question here from Noel Viegas, who wants to know what were the pits like after your victory, and how hard did you party after you won the giant nut? <laughs> um, so it's it's similar to every year. The pits after the after the finals are like basically cleared out because everyone's just gone home. <laughs> like there's only there's only like maybe ten percent of teams still left there, right? I mean most people stay for the final match, but then that already packed up beforehand and just kind of hit it out. Yeah. Yeah, because um, pe- people that are out of the tournament um and don't have any more fights left, they pack up and they get their crate together. And then as soon as the tournament goes, they just they just leave. There's no no real reason to stay. Um a couple of the more friendly teams will come over and you know congratulate you obviously 
uh, and then hang out for a couple minutes. But you know, after after about half an hour or so, uh, we're we're still there packing up because we weren't we basically weren't <laughs> able to to start until we, after the finals. Um, the finals were about eleven o'clock at night. Eleven o'clock yeah. at night, we fight the finals, and at midnight, we're supposed to be packed up and out, and the crate ready to be shipped back to New Zealand. So as soon as the fight was over, we're like back in the pits, pulling the robot apart, trying to pack up as fast as we can because we know we're about to get kicked out and we don't know what happens if we don't get our crate packed up in time yeah <laughs> yeah uh, t- t- turns out it's actually okay you can come back the next day because there was just no no way that we could have got yeah. that thing fully together in the amount of time we had so yeah it wasn't too much partying it was mostly panicking about packing up <laughs> oh i mean i still think we went to bed at like what four or oh, five a.m that night it's <laughs> it was a lot of drink- there was a lot of drinking it back at the airbnb yeah it would have been great if it wasn't a COVID year. We can go out with some of our, um, you know, friendly teams and stuff. But um, yeah, we yeah, had to celebrate we would have on our own. To, yeah, we would have loved to celebrate with our teams, but probably not the best. Yeah, like I, you, unlike any other sport, there's just there's so many like late nights that build up to, you know, the final bracket. Anyway, like I don't know what even going out and partying looks like for a BattleBots winner. Is it just like? Staying till nine thirty at PF Chang's and then going home and going to sleep. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think being New Zealanders, we're 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 kind of used to a lot of drinking. Um, I don't know how 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 the American teams uh, deal with it, but yeah, like you're right with the late nights. Like some some nights we were up to like two a.m. waiting for them to announce the next day's fights, um, and that, that, that's when the fights would come out. Everything was so tightly scheduled that that like they didn't have the the day's fights together until like two or three a.m some nights uh and you know I, I one of us at least would have to stay up because if we had an early fight the whole team needed to know about it michael mandarin uh is asking the real questions here uh so congratulations on the giant nut victory how was it getting the giant nut through customs do you have to declare your giant nut when you get back to new zealand <laughs> Uh, so we, we didn't we didn't try and take it through um, through, ca- through carry on. I think it's already like double the weight allowance for carry on. Um, they might you might be able to to get it in as your like uh, one one personal item, perhaps. If you act it's really like, light, it's forty four yeah. pounds. Though, so that's quite heavy, you know. Yeah, it's, it's it can almost- be your emotional. It, you just have to explain that it's your emotional support nut. <laughs> um, no, we we just cleared out one of our suitcases. Um, like I think I took pretty much all my clothes and stuff out of my suitcase and chucked them in everyone else's until there was room for <laughs> enough like weight allowance for for the giant nut. And then we wrapped it up and just an obscene amount of bubble wrap and just chucked it in the in the checked luggage. Uh, it was definitely checked though because I. On the way when I when I got it back, they had one of those, you know, the TSA have looked in your bag. Um, little <laughs> yeah, slips I'm glad of they paper didn't like and... drill into it to make sure there's no drugs in the middle or something. <laughs> yeah, I would have been devastated <laughs> because they had, the the bubble wrap was put together with with different tape than what I had put it together with. So they definitely opened it up and had a look. We actually saw it going through the airport scanner, and it was just a big black hexagon, and they kind of like paused on it for a sec, and then we're like looks good to me and moved it on yeah just like they, <laughs> yeah. They, the x-ray just couldn't see through it yeah ah yes that's yeah it's just <laughs> it was pretty amazing actually there was at least one one tsa agent that that knew 
Um, I don't know who they were or if they if they knew what they were looking at, but there is at least one TSA agent in the world that knew since October. <laughs> I see. That's uh, yeah. That could have blown up your spot real early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been real disappointing. <laughs> Tom Brisbane wants to know how special does it feel to become the first ever international champion of BattleBots? I think I mean, being champion of BattleBots, even if you aren't international, would feel pretty good. But um, I mean, I think it's extra special, especially in in a year where there's uh, only four international teams to take it home out of out of the states is, is pretty special i think and um yeah yeah i'm pretty pl- proud of just how well new zealand tends to do on the world stage we tend to actually do pretty well in a lot of a lot of sports um so it, it feels pretty proud to continue that into into robot combat i have a few questions here from jesse mullen the first of which is uh, you launched three bots out of the arena in one season which is more than any flipper has ever accomplished what do you think is special about the end game weapon geometry that accomplishes this or is it is it the driving or is it your patron saint i think it's just a combo of of the weapon having a a big like quite a large surface area so it it smashes rather than cuts so you get um impacts like traveling through the frame and actually pushing the entire robot rather than just cutting through a bit of the frame um, so that tends to throw robots in the air rather than than just just break things. Uh, and then we've also got like a pretty good front end. Uh, just the the geometry uh, does a really good job of feeding robots up into the weapon to just get some really good bite, get good hits, and convert like a lot of our a lot of our discs momentum into into actual useful kinetic energy. Yeah, and also when I'm driving, I like to drive into the walls because um, if we smash them into the walls, we get a really good bite. Um, and it kind of has an added effect of if you hit them right, they go out. Um, but mostly we, we try to push people to the walls just for the extra bite and to do the extra damage. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And three is not enough. Need more. <laughs> well, hopefully we see some, uh, you know, uh, we see Endgame taking some other bots to new heights next season. But uh, Jesse Mullen also goes on to ask assuming that Bounty Hunters returns next year. It'll probably include yourselves and Bite Force. Who else do you think uh, has reached that legendary status in the sport and have uh, should have a bounty on their head? I'm not entirely sure that they would actually put us as a legend. I think the like the legendary bots have tend to be robots who have been like around quite a while. I don't think we've been in the sport long enough to justify a legendary status. I think I don't know, Jack. Would you? Would you want to do it if they I don't, Yeah, I don't know if, if they want us to. I'm not sure we would because we're going there to win the nut. Um, and if it's going to get in the way of, of trying to kind of win win the main tournament, then we would have to think really carefully about whether we want to do it or not because um, it's hard enough just getting through the tournament as it is. Um, and I think it's as unlikely as it is to go, and, to go and win it again. If we were in that position and we had to do a bounty as well, I think everything would just be so much harder. Um, yeah, so we'd we'd really have to think about it. Um, but as for the other robots, was that, so tight. yeah, as for other robots that might make it there, um, we already have Witch Doctor. Um, I mean, Bite Force definitely qualifies. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think like I think Lockjaw could have yeah, also Lock- qualified as a as a legend for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Done this for a long time and been very successful. So I think he's definitely reached a uh, legendary status. So all good points. 
I'm going to pass it over to Kyle, who's going to go uh, a little bit deeper into 2021. All right. So, guys, I want to go into the 2021 season. Um, we've got a lot of great fan questions. I have a few of my own first, if you don't mind. Sure. Sure thing. The first and foremost of my 2020 questions is this. Krusty Grab? Yes. Yes! Mm. I mean, um, you applied with it, I assume. <laughs> yeah, as long as BattleBots wants it um, and we can get there during COVID and stuff, uh, we have the manpower to man it this year, which was the main draw, uh, thing stopping it last year. So we're keen. Um, we kind of want to show what a lifter can do, um, making use of the outer arena zones um, a bit better than we've seen other people do before, hopefully. Um, that's the plan. Um, but plans often don't work out. But that's what we'll be trying to do. So, yeah, it should be it should be fun um, as long as BattleBots will let us bring it. And so, Nick, yeah. you have... Nick, you have often called Jack the best robot driver in the game. Uh, would he have to pull double duty then? Would he have to to drive both robots? What are you thinking there? Uh, I don't think BattleBots will allow that. So <laughs> I think we probably have to use Jack's brother, right, Steve? He's with, the uh... second best robot driver in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Behind Matty V. <laughs> Um, all right, so I'm going to get into some of these fan questions. So uh, Alexander Archer, who's one of our favorite question askers, um, he asks, do you have any dream matchups in mind for next season, something you're really looking forward to? Mm, well, I think we both know that, that in-game versus Bite Force is coming. Um, yeah, but you, do you want that? We're pre preparing for that. <laughs> I, I want in-game versus old Bite Force. I'm not sure I want in-game versus whatever Paul brings next year. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we don't know what he's going to bring back. Yeah. I think the, the previous season's Bite Force would really struggle against, against this year's in-game. But, you know, we'll see what Paul does. I expect Paul will learn from what he's seen this season and... and come in with something to to combat it which uh, uh given that it's poor ventimiglia that is that is worrying yeah so in game this year like a lot of the design and the front end was around beating wedgelets and stuff like that so um i think now that paul's seen a lot of our tricks he's he's got a bit of an advantage again so i have to see what he comes with yeah that makes a lot of sense. Um, so speaking of which, let's we know Paul listens to this podcast pretty regularly, so let's give him a heads up. Uh, what major upgrades are you planning for to, uh, to make this bot better, better for next year? Uh, oh, the secret anti-bite force uh, weapon that uh, will guarantee kill bite force 100%. Right, Paul? Yep. <laughs> Just don't even bother showing up, Paul. There's no, there's no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're changing to a big clunky hammer um, that will come down on top of his weapon chain perfectly. Because uh, that's how <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. in the past. Yeah, that's how you beat him. Yeah, that's like the only <laughs> way. <laughs> I mean, history has has shown, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Um, but yeah, no, we seriously, have few, what... we have a few upgrades, um, but most of them will be sort of invisible reliability things again um so nothing too major um yeah the robot worked pretty well this season so we don't have too much to change um i think we're gonna be changing the front end a little bit to try and protect the belts a bit more from horizontals because they they're a bit vulnerable um change the weapon geometry slightly to not hopefully bend like it did versus rotator i don't know if you know about that but rotator literally bent the disc itself yeah and that's what stopped it during our fight which, which is, is insane crazy. 
Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I know the, the, like, the weapon had a little, like it has thin sections around the middle because, um, you know, you want to keep most of the weight on the outside. But still, like I would never have thought that it could bend. It's 50 millimeters thick. <laughs> like it's insane the amount of energy required to do that. I don't think like if if you went to any sort of industrial engineering um, facility and was like, "Can you bend this straight again?" They would be like, "No, you're you're crazy." <laughs> um, so we talked to you a little bit last time you were on about you know COVID protocols and what it was like to compete on BattleBots with the COVID protocols this time around. Um, so. I guess now having some time, like in hindsight, what do you hope they keep with the COVID protocols going forward? What do you hope that they uh, they get that he's no longer a part of the COVID protocols? I mean, we obviously don't know what state California is going to be in when they film the next season. So let's just assume for this question that you know COVID is is on the way out. Everybody's vaccinated. You you can pretty much count on a relatively normal season. What would you hope they keep? What would you hope they get rid of? Oh, what I desperately hope they keep is the large pits. I love yeah. the large pits. Yeah, do they? I don't think they have that building anymore. That right? Like this was our last year in that building. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although I was talking to Greg, and apparently he's eyeing the um, the hangar just across the road. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe maybe they'll just move there. Oh, it'd be so nice to just go across the street. That sounds great. Um, okay, well that makes sense. So yeah, giant pits. Is there anything that you uh, that you really don't want to have to deal with next time you come back? I mean, uh, I'm sure what everyone else would say, like just the the social distancing and masks. I mean, no one likes that. No one does it because they want to do it. Yeah, and you want to like be able to say hi to your friends and give hugs and all those things, like people you don't see all yeah. the time. Yeah, for sure. Exactly um all right so yeah i agree with that and you know just sort of everyone's vaccinated and stuff it would be great to not have to wear masks because that's so hot um and then just being able to even go out for dinner after a long day sort of thing uh, would be nice <laughs> yeah oh yeah we, we really missed our one dollar margaritas at applebee's this year <laughs> yeah uh that is something that is a, a american tradition uh, that I'm sorry you guys couldn't participate in. Um, all right, so Noel Villegas asks, do you think you're going to get the re Bite Force rematch, and do you think you can win that rematch? I think we will. I don't know if it'll be the first main event. I'm kind of thinking it'll be the last one because they want to ride the hype for both robots as long as they can. Um, I'm hoping it's the last one so we get to see what he's fighting like a little bit um, in next, next season um, before we actually have to tackle him. I think when you when you play Bite Force, it's pretty hard to say that you'd beat him. Um, so I don't want to go as far to say we would beat him, but you know I think we would. Depends what he brings, but I think you know we'd we'd have a good shot against old Bite Force. Um, but yeah, we really just have to see what 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 he turns up with this year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I reckon knowing Aaron, he probably is going to give it to us first. I I reckon that's going to happen. <laughs> If you were to fight Bite Force, this is our next uh, fan question from Stuart Hunt, who wants you guys to know that you're he's absolutely delighted his favorite robot won the giant nut. Um, so he says, when you do get to face Bite Force, which side of the arena are you planning on throwing him out? Uh, we love throwing them to the judges. So probably around there. <laughs> Apparently. 
Uh, I guess, <laughs> yeah, the judges. <laughs> or right at Chris yeah, and we'll Kenny. Yeah, we'll try and line know. up right between Kenny's eyes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, all right, so now that you've got a target on your back with the giant nut, uh, which of the previous BattleBots champions, old series, new series, would you like to go up against? Is there anybody in like the old Comedy Central series that you think would be a lot of fun to fight? I wouldn't have. I wouldn't mind having another crack at a son of Archie. We lost because of things oh, yeah, that we fixed since then, um, so that would be nice. Um, I think. Yeah, that was first generation yeah. of Endgame. Biohazard would be cool just because it's got such a legendary status. Um, so, yeah. I think, Obviously. honestly, a lot of the previous year's champions, though, would be completely outclassed in this field. Yeah, 100%. So. Yeah, and it feels like there was, like, an evolution, like, a little leap in evolution this year. You know what I mean? Like, so many bots really upped their game just this year. Um, that you couldn't even imagine, like season one of the reboot robots even lasting in this current field. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like the reliability across the board was phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely, and just the the little tricks. You know, everybody's got their little tricks now, like the the rubber bands on Whiplash. You know, just like things like that that you're like, oh, weird, but yeah, that makes sense. All right, so random listener questions. We're gonna do this one lightning round style. These don't really have a uh, you know place to stick them so we're gonna throw them at you just as fast as we can is that all right yeah all right here we go bees for BattleBots illustrator caleb kempson asks how hard was it to keep the secret of being champion from the internet and were you looking at the giant nut the whole time during your last interview on behind the bots uh so oh i don't even know where the giant nut was was that i think i had it my house or at your house yeah you had it um no were you were you jack no, I don't think so. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. There was yeah, a tale of the tape episode. Yeah. There was a tale of the tape episode um, that I filmed uh, the first time, and I had the giant nut like about a couple centimeters off screen. <laughs> Just to mess with people. <laughs> yeah. In the end, uh, like at the end of the the video, I turned the camera and and gave a wink just for just for Will and Andrea to to see it. <laughs> It wasn't too hard to keep a secret, to be honest. It's, I find it easier to dull it down than try and hype it up when you know you're going to lose, you know. Like, especially on our social media and stuff, it's real hard to, like, hype up a fight when you know it's going to go real bad. Um, oh, yeah, it's it's way worse <laughs> in previous years when you've done poorly and you've got to go, yeah, guys, come on, let's watch us fight. Oh, yeah, no. you have all your friends around and you just, like, lose. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine so. Um, all right, so... It, the way the show was edited, this is from Joseph Summers. The way the show was edited made it look like many of the teams were watching each match that were never in the pits. So, with that being said, how many matches were you able to watch from the opera boxes? Not too many. Um, we watched maybe five or six, Jack, maybe, would you say? Yeah, it really wasn't that many. We didn't have much time. Um, we were too busy rebuilding the robot all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. We really only watched was, fights when it was like directly before Alan's. Um, what, yeah, there was a lady who drove around in a little golf cart trying to get people to, to fill the stands. And she would come to us all the time um, and be like, can you come now? And we're like, no, we're too busy. <laughs> Do you think you got to see more fights this year or like less fights? I guess you guys made it all the way to the end, so probably less fights. Well... 
we do watch pretty much all the fights. We just watch them from our pits. Like you stop for about a minute when the fight's on and then you just turn, turn back again and go back to fixing the robot. Um, like, but yeah, it's a lot of effort and takes a lot of time out to actually go into the opera box and set up there. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So big deal team member, Brandon Bennett Young asks, what do you think is the future of long fork, fork attachments in BattleBots? We see them lots at the local level, but do you think will, they will become a bigger factor among the heavyweights? Yeah, I'm sorry. They're going to be everywhere now, I think. <laughs> For one year, and then I'm going to convince the team to build my anti-fork robot. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Yeah, if, if we get completely forked uh, this year, um, then, then, yeah, we'll build that. We have contingency back. plans for different robot designs to, to tackle forks. Um, so we'll see how it goes this year. And then maybe we'll yeah, have to come I, with something new. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's in-game, though. I think it's probably a different robot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I'm really excited. Uh, do you think you're going to go with a Taylor Swift theme for that robot? Or are you going to go with a oh, yeah. square, pan, square pants theme for that robot? <laughs> no, it's got to no, be yeah. Taylor Swift. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no, no, enough of this. That's the madness. <laughs> Listen, T-Swift has been redeemed, okay? Everybody saw that documentary. Everybody likes her again. It, you, you can't hate on her anymore, Nick. It's just not okay. <laughs> yeah, but don't worry, guys. I'll work on Nick uh, behind the scenes. We'll get a I appreciate that. Now. Thank you so much. The Swifties that are also fans of BattleBots really appreciate your work. Thank you. I'm a very stubborn person. I don't think he has a chance. <laughs> All right, so this is our next question from Brandon Bennett-Young. What are some smaller changes you've made to Endgame over the past three seasons? The bot, the bot visibly looks the same, but I'm sure there are lots of technical bits that have changed. What are some of the more notable ones? I mean, like, the insides are just, like, don't even slightly resemble what they were before. Like, our motors are, like, completely stripped out. You buy, like, a Hobby King motor, and then you just rip out everything that's not uh, copper and magnet. Uh, and then you replace that all with your own with your own mounting and, and, mm -hmm. and bearings and stuff like that. Uh, then the the like speed controllers are all custom. We've literally bandsawed bits off of off of stock speed controllers. Uh, and that, like, that's a bit big, you know. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit bulky, and there's a better place to put that wire. So we'll just cut that bit off. Um, and we've, you know, added added capacitors to various places and running custom firmware um, on them and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah and like we've got um, big difference between like older in games and this year is we've got um, like a fully distributed receiver system. Every speed controller has their own set of redundant um, receivers, so there's no signal wires going anywhere. Like all the all the signal is straight on the board of the of the ESC. Um, and were you happy? Just were you happy with wonderful. that setup? Did you have any interference, or it all worked out? Oh no, it was well? it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. That's great. <laughs> the same principle Duck uses. You know, they have one receiver for every motor. Um, I think they have six, and we have fourteen. So every motor has two. So each motor can kill a receiver and still work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it worked. It, it saved us in a fight. So it's totally worth it. Uh, next question from him: Would you try in runners instead of out runners for drive? And for our uh, less than than motor knowledgeable fans, can you explain what an in runner and an out runner is? So, I mean, in a way, we've kind of made our out runners in runners by building a cage of aluminium around them into the into their frame. 
Uh, it's a, it's a totally different concept, though. It's not an end runner. <laughs> yeah. I know, but a a so an in runner and an out runner is just basically what position the rotor is with respect to the magnet. So an out runner has the coils on the inside and the magnets are spinning around it uh, on the outside, and an in runner has the coils on the outside and the magnets are on the inside, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, an in runner sort of more resembles a traditional brush motor, um, but it can still be brushless. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't actually know too much about their differences, but I think the outrunners tend to be more efficient, right? Yeah, you know, I'm not, not 100% sure. Um, so I can't speak too much on that. Yeah, yeah I think... You need, need to get Shane on the pod. Yeah, yeah <laughs> at this point, um, the, the outrunners we've got have been performing so well that um, it, would take, it would take something drastic to get us to change from them. Yeah. They're, they're doing so well. Like, we've... Uh, after the modifications we've made to them, um, we've, we've never broken one. Never. Yeah. Well, why change that? Um, exactly. And then last question from him actually relates to the the crusty Grab, which I, I love because, you know, big deal, crusty Grab, Lifter, lifter Bots Unite. Um, are there any changes you may make to the crusty Grab after seeing what other lifters, such as the Big Deal, showed during their mm -hmm. fights this season? I think the crusty grab will pretty much be what we wanted to enter last season. Um, we'll have a few little improvements to it, um, I guess, but you know, the, the main sort of concept would be the same. Um, yeah, but it does have a big wedge and stuff that can go on it. So should be, should be okay. I think. Yeah. You I think aren't the only changes we're making just incorporating some of the like receiver tech yeah. that we tested on end game. Yeah. It's like some of the, internal the same robot. You, yeah. I was so happy to see so many effective and cool lifter bots this year, and I really hope that kind of diversity of bot continues on into next season. I'm really glad you guys are considering bringing the crusty grab, and I hope BattleBots makes the right decision and lets you guys do it because that's fantastic. It's, so. it's going to be a tough one to get into the season, though. So, yeah, so I know this season's got to be stacked. I mean, like I keep thinking about all of the bots that got in in 2020 that wouldn't have. And made a name for themselves, you know. And now, what are we going to do when all the other bots come? It's not like you can tell. It's not like you can tell Rusty not to come. You know. Uh, yeah. No, Rusty has to come back. Rusty has to we come. Did a, we did an unofficial count of all the robots that were supposed to come last year, then didn't come because of COVID, and then there were robots that replaced them. And I think we're like forty robots too many that got accepted at some point last year. So it's going to be a real tight sort of season. We need three hundred hours yeah. of battle bots to cover all of this. this. There's going to be a lot of fairly disappointed people who who came this year, and and I'm going to get back in next year. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we'd love to we'd love to bring the crossy grab, but we just have to wait and see what the um, selection committee decides on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so our next fan question comes from Mad Catter Driver Calvin Eba. Uh, Calvin asks, what are your secrets for a reliable brushless setup? <laughs> Is it well, reliable? That's just the thing. <laughs> They're all secrets. <laughs> yeah, I thought... Three I thought years of a catching it. fire. <laughs> three years of yeah, catching fire. I mean, one, yeah, catch fire enough times that you figure out why and, and, then, and then do the other thing. 
Uh, all right. What disadvantages? Uh, sorry, this. Uh, these are the last questions. They're from Mary Catherine Carr. She always asks these deeply philosophical, great questions. So we usually save them for the end. Um, so, what disadvantages do you anticipate in the future from winning the giant nut? Obviously, there's a lot of good attached, but I don't think many people necessarily envision the bad. And I'm sure there's some downsides, even if it's just some added pressure. So, what do you think? I mean, added pressure probably is going to be a factor, but generally I think a, a robot that wins a giant nut is going to have to um, then, from then on, basically face, like, serious robots um, going forwards. Like, they're going to be given the top contenders. But I don't know if that actually um, changes much for us because I, I think our schedule, um, honestly, has, has been pretty tough just throughout all of our seasons. We've not really yeah. had, a, had a, like, rookie thrown at us at Definitely all. We've not just sort any, of always... Like, easy qualification matches, um, but we never have anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think it's, it's going to be much of the same. Just don't expect any any easy matches. Yeah, wasn't the lowest uh, seeded bot that you ended up going against was, like, Rotator? Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a pretty that's a pretty tough bot. <laughs> it was actually that was actually our hardest fight. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. I mean, they they won the most destructive bot uh, bot bolt for a reason. They they're a very tough team. Um, yeah, all right. So, how tired of you are of all of the references to Marvel's Endgame? And we might as well get it out of the way. Which Avenger is each one of your team members? Oh God. Can I be honest? I'm not a big Marvel fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's really it's it's tough. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rate myself. I think I'll give uh, Shane. Shane can be Tony. Yeah, Tony Stark. Okay. Electronics. Um, ah, the rest are difficult. Do you know anyone, Jack? Uh, you identify right, with? I'm googling uh, Avengers because I can't remember them off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> right, you can just be Thor. That'll be fine. I'd be happy to be Thor, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's Steve? Maybe Steve is... Um, Steve's Rocket. No. Rocket. <laughs> Rocket Raccoon. Could Steve be Steve Rogers, I, Captain America? He could be. Could mm -hmm. be. Or maybe Star-Lord. Maybe Star-Lord. Or he, he could be the Hulk too, right? Because he is Mr. Grip Strength. Wait, is that a... <laughs> he is a Hulk's Marvel, right? Yeah. Yeah, Hulk's yes. Marvel. Yeah, and Nick's actually uh, mentioning members of Guardians of the Galaxy as members of the Avengers, and that's just uh, blasphemy. So, I mean, my Jack, bad. Jack said Rocket, Jack said Rocket Raccoon first. Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time to watch these movies. We're too busy building robots. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Truth be told, I haven't watched uh, several of the Avengers movies, so there's that. Avengers Endgame came out during filming last year. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. I think. Might have been the year before, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true, yeah. Um, all right, so last question for Mary Catherine Carr. Yeah. Will winning the nut allow you to finally upgrade the team bowling shirts or at least bring a few extra pairs of aviators? <laughs> we need to get some sort of sunglass sponsorship. Yeah, well, I mean, we've we've reached out to Ray Ban and they haven't responded. So uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's worth out. asking them again. Yeah, 
Yeah, <laughs> or or I don't know. Maybe maybe they missed their chance, and we we need to contact somewhere yeah. else. Maybe there's a New Zealand uh, aviator supplier that wants to get involved. You know, if you're listening, yeah. let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we have one final question from our co-host Lindsay, who could not really join us for this interview today because she's got a ton of work. Um, she wants to know: Did the Prime Minister formally congratulate you guys yet? Not yet. Still waiting uh, for that. Come on, Jacinda. <laughs> I mean, if anybody's deserving, you, you brought the giant nut all the way home. Like, absolutely. She needs to get on that. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully she does. And then we can ask her to give us um, a quarantine spot for next season because it's looking pretty tight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no kidding. Uh, can I just uh, hang out at the prime minister's mansion for a quarantine? Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, we're really looking looking forward to seeing you guys in the box again. Uh, my kids were super happy when you won the giant nut, and um, you know, well nice. deserved, well deserved, guys. You worked your tail Thank off, you. and you, you pulled off a fantastic season, a great win. Uh, I don't think anybody can say that you guys didn't put in the work and didn't didn't put in the effort and bring a great robot and have a great season. So, thank you so much for all the work that you guys have done. This is fantastic. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're headed to New Zealand, where a robotics company has taken one of the robot dogs from Boston Dynamics and modified it to herd sheep. The modified robot dog, uh, called Spot, which we all know and maybe love, maybe hate, is also capable of navigating rough terrain in New Zealand and inspecting crops. Uh, the spot has been a little controversial with sheep herders. Some are not so uh, super fans, um, but uh, it's probably better than having Endgame herd your sheep. So I don't know. There's that. This is a uh, is this a legitimately not terrible story about Spot for Boston Dynamics? I, I I think I think they they mount the paintball gun on the top of Spot, <laughs> and uh, that's how they they keep predators away from the sheep. Ah, yes. All right, good. We need to get back into the dystopian future discussion when it comes to this robot. I think that they're going to attach a pair of shears to it next, and then you all of a sudden you have Spot uh, running at you full speed with a pair of scissors, and that could be terrifying. Uh, yeah, that would be utterly terrifying. Uh, so what was what do the, the shepherds think about this particular innovation? I think they, they went on record saying that this was horrible and that nobody wants this. <laughs> they don't put a lot of Birkenstock in it. Um, shepherds, smart people. Just saying. Maybe they know what's up. So I, I, I looked this up because I was I was curious. But uh, New Zealand is, is probably one of the safest places on the planet for sheep. Um, the only predator on uh, on the South Island... Uh, that's been known to attack sheep is a rare, unusual Kea parrot. So, uh, you know, these these Boston Dynamics dogs are really just looking out for birds, I think, you know, in the sky. Because uh, there, there really aren't uh, any, any natural predators at all in, uh, in New Zealand. 
Well, in southern New Zealand, I heard you have to watch out for Carl. <laughs> Carl. Yeah, yeah, you don't want your sheep around Carl. I uh, don't. We. Uh, I'm gonna do it. That's still out it for us this week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Take us out, Kyle. Take us out. Uh, we'll see you next time where we, you know, maybe get together, talk about some bounty hunters. There's a lot of those coming to TV. That's going to be cool. And, um, yeah, really excited about the Giant Nut winners. And what a great interview with that team. Thanks, everybody. See ya. We'll see you later, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.